Today's episode of the Mets Up Podcast is sponsored by Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. First off, that's huge. And that's what we use here on the Mets Up Podcast. I highly suggest it. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your own phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other streaming services. And you're allowed to make money from your podcast from day one with no minimum listenership. It's literally everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So make sure you guys download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. What is up, Mets Up listeners? Back here for episode number 77 of the Mets Up podcast. Of course, I'm your co-host, Giraffeneck Mark. Mark Luino here with James Chiato. Jeter had no range talking about the New York Mets. Uh, actually, not really talking about the New York Mets too much today. This is the lockout episode because, as we know, the first two series of the Major League Baseball season have been canceled. Thank you, Rob Manfred, for being the absolute fucking worst. Yeah, I'm coming in hot in the first 30 seconds. I'm coming for next year because me and James... We've prepared a lot. We've got a lot of information here. We're going to go through everything lockout related, everything labor negotiation related. We got numbers. We got stats. We got quotes. We've got it all. So if you guys are interested in this conversation and hearing what we have to say here, which I think you should be because it's kind of super important for the future of baseball going forward this year. Definitely stick around. Definitely listen up. If you guys want to watch a video version of this, check out the Messed Up YouTube channel. Just search up Messed Up Podcast. You'll be able to find us. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram as well, at Messed Up. And if you're listening to us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen, you will be able to find us. Drop, a fi- drop us a five-star rating. Drop us a review. So, James, uh, long time no talk. The last time we were talking, honestly, was during our, again, just fantastic Twitter spaces to which we are the kings of Twitter spaces. We're literally incredible. If anyone out there who listens to us on this or has ever listened to us on Twitter is maybe like a serious XM producer, any kind of radio spot, please give us an opportunity because we will smash it. We're incredible at it. But also with that Twitter spaces, as fun as that was, as great as it was, as much momentum it seemed like we had, I think we should both issue a public apology to everyone that listened to us. That included, you know, Jack Flaherty, Joey Gallo, Jeremy Hefner, Nikki Lopez, Avi Garcia, among some like Jared Carabas, among other people, that we were almost too positive on what was going on. We we, we ate the cheese. Bamboozled. Bamboozled yeah. big time. We're gonna have to eat a little bit of crow here, as they say. And uh it was we were feeling good. We were almost like high with like, oh, baseball could be I was back. High. <laughs> baseball could be back. We might have opening day. I was, I was literally thinking about like, oh my god, all the videos I can start to make now. I was so excited because, I mean, as many of you guys know, literally talking about baseball is my job on my YouTube channel. So I was excited because I've been really scraping the bucket here. But nope, we were bamboozled, and baseball is not coming back for opening day, and it's really in jeopardy for missing a lot more time. Way more time. I do feel bad. I do feel bad that we kind of were the driving force of optimism. That kind of helped the owners create this false narrative that we'll get to later around the way the meeting was structured on what, what night was it? That was Monday evening? That was Monday evening, right? Yeah, late, late Monday night. And yeah. to be fair, to our defense, everyone was buying into it. It wasn't like we got, you know, completely fooled or we were the only ones. Everyone fell into the trap. No, yeah, of course, but there weren't that many other people with 4,000 people listening to them live, including <laughs> no. numerous professional baseball players. Yeah, sure. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it, it sucks because it really was like we were talking about, like, look at the hype, look at the excitement that people have for just the possibility of baseball coming back. And it seems like Major League Baseball is so disconnected from its fans, they have no clue what's going on. I mean, we're going to talk about everything here, but the comments from Manfred, the letter, everything is just so tone deaf and so horrible. God. It's frustrating that this is the guy who's in charge of this league that quite literally prints money. I fucking forgot about the leather. I cannot believe you just brought that back up. That was so long ago and so many like ploys and pieces of propaganda ago. It almost like doesn't even exist. No, I'm talking about, I'm not even talking about that. That one was, that was complete nonsense. Yeah. There's another letter. You didn't see it? When? Uh, literally after he announced the canceling of games, a, a letter from La- Rob Manfred to our fans. Again. I don't even want to read it. It's not worth it. It's abhorrent. That's a good word. <laughs> SAT word of the day. Abhorrent. It was terrible. Basically what we're getting at here is that this entire situation that has been bred 
is the fault of both Rob Manfred and the collection of owners, especially probably the small coalition of owners that make up what are in air quotes. I'm going to say the air quotes, I'm going to do air quotes, the poorer teams in professional baseball. Because to ratify any agreement from the owner side, you need a 23 out of 30 majority, which is that's an insane number that you need to ratify anything in any way. So high. So that means any faction of eight could basically hold everyone else ransom which seems like probably has happened here because a lot of these things being proposed seems like the poorer owners are more supportive than the rich owners, this and that. The other thing, we'll talk about the influence of Steve Cohen a little later, but bottom line, over the last decade, Major League Baseball has created this system that separates your profits from how successful a baseball team you can put on the field. Profits are now guaranteed, and winning is not something that is even near the top of a lot of these people's laundry list when running their team on a year-to-year basis. Yeah, winning is not necessary to generate profit. I mean, the amount of of revenue that this you know league and teams generate is astronomical. Like This is a very good business venture to get in. That's why you see these guys, these groups, that buy teams like the Miami Marlins for over a billion dollars, a team that has no identity, no branding, no fan base, nothing, and they're worth over a billion dollars on the market. So like the fact that these owners continue to cry poor, the fact that a guy like Rob Manfred, the commissioner of baseball, who's supposed to be you know, the head of everything, says stuff like, we have difficulty generating revenue. It's just, it's, it's baffling to think that these people think we really are that stupid. Yes, think we're that stupid, one. And two, think the Players Association is completely willing to not allow, to not change anything that's going on. Because it seems like they were completely just ready to step on a throat rather than come to an agreement. There's a very big difference there. And that's a distinction that I want to make sure everyone can make. We should start this by just running through a relatively quick timeline of what has happened. The Athletic put out a great timeline yesterday about where the lockout has gone. Basically, the entire CBA negotiation Heading back to 2016 when there were the first cracks in the army here thinking that this could really be a large problem. But now just fast forwarding to the last few months. The owners lock the players out. Very important distinction. This is not a strike. The players are very willing to still be a part of the league. The owners have locked them out. The players, sure, could have asked for a one-year extension on the previous CBA to get revenues back up to a normal spot from where they sunk to during COVID so we could have a more... Uh, hardy negotiation but they didn't whatever they were ready for change they thought they could do it now and also the owners this is a big fact that a lot of people are missing the owners could have kept the players in and let the old cba rule still apply for at least one more season while negotiating this new agreement but that's too easy and that would be giving up way too much leverage from their end and that's something that like on my youtube video that is going to be coming out the night that i'm recording this i talk about is that major league baseball has made a clear and obvious effort that they want to control two things and it's power and narrative and they have done everything in their power they've they've done everything in their power to control those two things and it started with the lockout because it stops the players from basically doing anything they can't do anything related to the team can't do anything with coaches can't do anything with people in the organization it stops all baseball it's a work stoppage essentially and the fact that the owners are saying, you know, like, or I shouldn't even say that, that Rob Manfred in his letter to the fans basically keeps saying, this is something we have to do. It's just simply not. It's it's the biggest load of shit I've ever heard. And they're allowed to lie. Anybody on earth is allowed to lie online at all times of the day, week, month, year. You can lie whenever you want. And without however people perceive that, that will become the truth. So you don't have to take the words that these people say as bonds. The same is also true for the players' union. Everyone's allowed. Everyone's permitted to lie. But in this situation, the owners are much better at leveraging their lives through this incredible media conglomerate that they've built and created to create a, a more positive narrative in their favor. So now the play again. I was going to say, even like look at like AP has been putting out, you know, Associated Press has been putting out pro-owner. You look at ESPN, a lot of it has been pro-owner, except for Jeff Passan. Jeff Passan's been the man. Yeah. But. Fox Sports, pro-owner. Pro-owner. Um, what was the other one that I was saying? Jim Bowden, Jim Bowden, who's an MLB yeah. network radio no, guy. And, uh, and The Athletic. Yeah, and The Athletic, pro-owner. Uh, and then the other one was Chris Russo, who for some reason has a platform, but he's on MLB network, hint, hint. He's, he came on ESPN today and said he's been pro-owner since 1981, which is just... Craziest thing I've ever heard. Chris Russo, I hope, for the love of God, players saw that. I hope there's a memo that went out to all players and said, if you're ever asked to be on high heat, you decline. You should never be on that guy's show again. Why was 1981 the sticking point? Was I think there was a stoppage that year, but like, why did that... That was just the year Chris Russo, I guess, became an asshole. That was the year that players were no longer working a second job during the offseason. Uh, no, they weren't working at, uh, you know, selling papers. Fuck that. And the other two major pro-owner constituents who revealed themselves in the last 48 hours were the sauce boss, John Heyman, and Bob Nightingale, whose redemption arc was dead before it even began. Yeah, I, you know, I like to think that Bob Nightingale, he was just 
he was the easy he was the easy target. Yeah. I don't necessarily know if he was pro owner. He has but been. I, th- I mean, he's a Pittsburgh guy, so he has been pro owner in the past. Pro owner in the sense that they want to more level and more air quotes level the playing field. But I think Communists. that the owners in the MLB side also knew that they could give Bob Nightingale anything and he'll turn yeah. it. Of so. course. And so he might have been caught in the crosshairs, but whatever. Back to the timeline. So this lockout was instilled on December 2nd. That was the day the CBA ran out. The owners then sat on their hands for 40 days until Boy. January 11th. It didn't even enter in negotiations with the players. Nothing at all. And then once they began talking again on January 11th, they did not submit a formal offer for 23 more days. During that 63-day period, the MOBPA submitted three formal offers and... In between the MLB, the Players Association's third formal offer and the owner's first offer, they had this ridiculous ploy to try to get a federal mediator to come involved because things had stagnated. Things cannot stagnate before one party starts to negotiate. That's literally impossible. You are the stagnation. That is you. Yeah, they asked for a federal mediator because they said the negotiation process was not fair and it wasn't being even from both sides, yet they were the side that it wasn't being even from. Again, like you said, great ploy because when the media and people write about it, you hear the MLBPA denied someone who was supposed to make the the uh, negotiations fair. You go, well, what are the players doing? Owners, that's exactly what they wanted. And again, I'm not going to take away from the owner's talent in this negotiation. It's been very skillful through and through. They clearly have had a plan of attack that has been executed almost to perfection to this point. And it's, you got to, I guess, tip the cap where do. We said months ago, these guys are billionaires for a reason. These are not idiots. They have a lot of options at their disposal, a lot of weapons available to them. Yeah, I mean, like, making money is their business, um, and they do a pretty good job at it. That being said, I I think what they're doing right now, though, is going to have consequences that are going to definitely take away from this money that they're fighting over. For sure, but I don't even think they care about that or realize that. They're very much looking at the here and now, which was their plan, which is what I'm getting at. They're executing their plan to perfection. Whether I think that was a good plan or a plan that actually tells the future for what it is worth, that remains to be seen. But what they set out to do, they are doing. So, again, back to this timeline now. After a couple back and forth for a uh, month through late January, early February, the owners imposed this March 1st hard deadline to start to start the season on time. This deadline might be true because you do probably need between three and four weeks to actually start this on time. But again, this is something that was just made up out of thin air. They're like, this is a day. We're going to set a fake deadline that's going to spur negotiations. And after, again, basically two more entire weeks of inactivity, this did spur negotiations because the players and the owners got together in Jupiter, Florida for nine straight days, negotiate for nine straight days. And that ended with a 15-hour negotiating marathon that ran all the way through Monday into the late night on Tuesday and early Tuesday morning. And the owners lied through their teeth the entire time. It literally, just like we talked about the ploy of the federal mediation thing, I'm honestly wondering if any sort of actual negotiating was really going on when they were making all these meetings, or if this was, again, just simply to make it appear like there was negotiating going on. Because the next morning, after all these great strides had been made forward, and there was hope that the CBA was going to be reached the next day, an extension of the deadline because they want to get it done. They just immediately, the first thing they come out with is that the player's tone has changed. Everything's different. and We can't negotiate like this. Which I don't know how that could be possible. And also, again, we're going to eat some crow here because we were some of the people leading that narrative late Monday night that things were close. Things were happening. Shout out Chris Paddock's fake burner. Fuck that. Shout out also like some of the players like Jock Peterson were talking about how close they were and how ready they were and how excited they were. So there was definitely some inkling among the players that things were close. But it turns out, actually, when you look back, that the owners were trying to sneak things in late and secretive at the last minute to try and get by the players. Ross Stripling had a thread about this as the Blue Jays player rep that at the last second, the owners tried to sneak in banning the shift. The owners tried to sneak in pitch clocks. The owners tried to sneak in something like larger bases. I don't even hate any of those three plans at the end of the day, but just the fact that they were trying to not verbalize things and add them into their agreements at the last second shows that it wasn't the player's tone that changed. It was the owners still trying to be these sneaky fucks. In the words of the famous Dennis Green, they are who we thought they were. They are who we thought they were, always. Yep, the owners continue to put out the power, or continue to control the power, continue to put out the narratives that they want, which is very, very anti-player. And here's the thing that doesn't make any sense to me, is you have a contingency that's obviously mad at the owners. People like us, mad at Manfred, mad at the owners. And then you have a contingency who bought into whatever they're saying and are mad at the players. You know what this just is? Everyone mad at baseball. I don't understand what winning there is here. When people are pissed, you're going to lose fans. It's going to be a backwards. Like it, like you said, it's, it's so short-sighted 
that they're doing this because it's just going to hurt the game in the long run and hurt their precious revenues that they are so, so concerned with conserving. That's a good transition to bring us to these precious revenues because Rob Manfred got on TV after the self-imposed ban, the self-imposed deadline that he created and announced on national television he was going to cancel games, laughing, laughing about it. Laughing. The smug piece of shit fucker that he is. Asshole. And you could just really see the difference in tones among his press conference and the one that Tony Clark and the Players Union put on. That was cut off by ESPN and MLB Network in the middle of it. We didn't get to see that as the public until you went online, the entire length of that press conference, which is just, it's anything more quintessential of propaganda than letting your own statement run all the way through with a lighthearted, funny vibe, laughing, ha, 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 he's, he's fucking around with Hannah Kaiser. Oh, Hannah, don't get me, only one for you, ha, ha, ha. He was, like, chastising Ken Davidoff, who's been a, a, a major league reporter for, like, 30 years, 40 years possibly even, saying, like, oh, Ken, I guess this is your last question ever. Ha, ha, ha. Like, are you like being a fucking jerk? And then we get into the nonsense he was spewing this whole time. He said the last five years have been very tough on the league. They've been very tough, Mark. It's been a very tough five years for Major League Baseball. They've actually only accrued $43 billion in revenue over the last five years. Oh, man, I, I feel bad for these guys, man. $43 billion in five years? That's Doesn't your heart yearn for these guys? Man, how do they, how do they afford to eat every day? How do, how, do they, how do these owners continue to own teams when you're only creating $43 billion in revenue as a league? That's seemingly a failing league. They're, they're struggling. Definitely struggling. These are, these, are, these are big questions that we have to be asking ourselves because that over five years, that includes a COVID year where they only paid players what? Like, um, what was it, 27% of their salaries? Yeah, the prorated salary for the 60 games, which, oh, yeah, what, what a travesty you had to pay the players to pay, play. Oh, Terrible. I hate, hate those guys. Wish we had new guys there. But yeah, right. that averages out to $9.5 billion per team over five years when you do take out that COVID year. So you take out the year where revenues were kind of augmented. Sure, we'll give them that. You're averaging $9.5 billion in revenue every single year. And you look back at that even further. Major League Baseball revenue jumped from $8.2 billion annually to $10.7 billion annually from 2015 to 2019. $10.7 billion in 2019. Sick amount of money. Billion. That's a B. Billion. That's a B, yes. And the most important thing here, which is the whole crux of this whole issue with the Players uh, Association, is that player salary dropped over that time from 2015-2019 when league revenue was booming. The average salary from 2015-2019 dropped from $4.45 million to $4.17 million, and the median salary dropped from $1.65 million to $1.15 million. And it's very important to note that distinction in the average versus the median, because in terms of statistics, the average is taking into account the highest salaries in the league, which are technically uncapped, so they're going very high. Yeah, you're having players from this era, like Albert Pujols, having a $37 million salary that's pushing that average up while the minimum salaries are all stagnant. So all those minimum salaries lock in, lock in, lock in. The median salary, you're crossing off one from each end as you go down. So this is probably a little bit more accurate representation of how much the average player is making. And even still, that is just a hair over a million dollars. And we'll get to the billionaires versus millionaires thing in a little while. Yeah, uh, wait, so hold on, hold on. Let me get this straight, James. Let me get this straight. You're telling me a league that's generating more revenues than they ever have before is trying to pay their players less than they already were. So while the league is making more money, the players are making less. Hmm, to me, something doesn't seem right there. No, something does seem to be a little bit off kilter with this league that has been created here. So it does seem like these players might actually have an argument for all the people blaming the players, but that's crazy. But really, we can't know because these teams and financial information is not public. No one lets this go. These are, these are, uh, these are figures that have been accrued in the past because they become publicly available years later. So we have big shout out to people from Fangrass, Baseball Prospectus, The Wall Street Journal, those who have uncovered these numbers, done incredible research. Major shout out to them. But there is one team whose finances are public, Mark, and that team is the Atlanta Braves. Yes, and they made a shit ton of money. So much money. The Atlanta Braves are also a good team to be the only one available to us because they're kind of like right in the middle of all this stuff. They're in a big, uh, not a small market, not a big market. Atlanta's a pretty medium market. They have a very nice stadium out in the suburbs with all this incredible stuff around it. And for lack of a better term, they're a successful franchise. They win baseball games. They've won more games than most teams in baseball over the last five years. They're probably a top 10 winningest team over the last five years, if not top six or seven. Yeah, they've been great. The Braves group totaled $1.8 $1.8 billion in revenue from 2017 to 2021. And that number rose 42% over those five years from $371 million in 2017 to $526 million in 2021. That number, $526 million 2021, 
is an all-time public revenue record for a Major League Baseball franchise, ever. Most money any team has ever brought in in a single season, ever. And that is not the Yankees. That is not the Mets. That's not the Red Sox. It's not the Dodgers. This is the Atlanta Braves. Again, public. That's the huge thing here. Yes. And again, when we find out how much those teams made in 2021, a couple years down the line, when that becomes uncovered, they'll probably will have made more money than the $526 million the Braves made. Because for those teams, the most recent figures we're going to have is 2018 or 2019. In a couple years, things grow. New deals are signed, more money, more eyes, more entertainment, more value. You're making more money. And they, all these numbers are going against a $597 million in total payroll paid out from 2017 to 2021. So the Braves generated $1.8 billion in revenue, and they paid their players $597 million over the exact same time frame. And that even that payroll number did rise 21% from that exact same time frame, 2017 to 2021 up from 122.5 million in 2017 to 148.5 million in in uh in 2021. But that did not rise as quickly as the revenue, not even close to it. Not even close to it. And it's also funny to think that the payroll from a 4-year stretch could almost all be covered by the previous season in 2021. Absolutely, clearly. And there's even more information about what you can cover with your payroll later on. But that payroll in 2021 was 28% of the Braves' revenue, and that was the lowest percentage across all the five years that we're uh, showing right now. And as many baseball fans will also know, while that payroll was the lowest percentage it had been over the last five years, this Braves team was the most successful it had been, winning the World Series. And another big thing the Braves can do to hide some of their revenue is to invest in real estate. That's how some of these guys can cover their profits and cover their gains and be able to hide stuff a little bit. The Cardinals owner, whose name is leaving right now, I think is DeWitt, something DeWitt. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know sure. owners' names, really. Okay. Because well, you want to know why? I don't care about owners. Of course not. They have been building up a ton around Bush Stadium. But now this is a financial term from John Doble, who is a retired this blog. It's kind of funny. But he's a, he's a very well-respected person in baseball. Financial terms, I'm not, I'm not a finance guy, so I'm going to read this tweet exactly. The adjusted operating income before depreciation and amortization from 2017 to 2021 for the Atlanta Braves totaled $217 million, including $111 million last year, which apparently is a very difficult five years. And he links his own article about the Cardinals, the team he covered, how they were hiding their profits and their revenue into more real estate ventures, not even further showing how much these guys have the power to manicure the narrative around them and hide what they're able to do. And again, a very good billionaire would be investing their profits and revenue because it's going to make them more money over time. We've been talking. We would love for Steve Cohen to invest in the real estate around City Field and turn it from chop shops and kind of scary looking places to bars, restaurants, places Sports to hang book. out. No one, no Mets fan even knows that the marina is like steps away from City Field. That could be a gorgeous place for bars and restaurants, but no one would know because it's despicable right now. But just there's so much money here. There's so much money, and these guys are crying poor, and it's bullshit. Yeah, I like to think of like what Atlanta has around the stadium, too, and the battery. Like The battery is sick, the, all the restaurants and bars and stuff that they have out there, and I'm sure the Atlanta Braves have some stake in the property around their stadium, and that stuff doesn't get included in the revenue that they generate on these reports. That stuff is not there. So it's like these teams can kind of hide money to make it seem like they're not making as much despite the fact that they're actually probably making more because it's being reinvested into something else that has value. And another way they make more is through revenue sharing, which is something that has been thrown around a lot during these negotiations. A lot of fans like to say, talk about, tweet about, but it's not something I think every fan exactly knows what it is. And this is another function of all these bullshit owners, that probable faction of eight, crying poor, the Pirates, the Diamondbacks, the Reds, the fucking Reds, Bob Castellanos, what a piece of shit. What? The, the Royals, the Rockies. Yeah. These, these, these owners, these are the ones who are holding us ransom right now as baseball fans. The actual terms of the revenue sharing agreement are 48% of every team's total revenue goes into a pot, a big pot. So 48% of what the Orioles make, 48% of what the Yankees make, 48% of what the Mets make, 48% of what the Rockies make. That all goes into a pot together, and that pot is equally dispersed among every single 30-team baseball, 3.3% each from that pot. So 48% of the Orioles revenue is going to be significantly less than 48% of the Yankees, the Mets, the Red Sox revenue. So they're now taking a share of that while the Yankees are losing some money. This is, again, the communist owners at work here. That number that got dispersed out to every single team in 2018, the last year this is publicly available, was $118 million. So before anything happened, no matter what, this is not even accounting for the other 52% of your own revenue, anything that you did, anything also that you paid out, payroll, whatever, Every single team has a lump sum of $118 million that cannot be taken away from them. It doesn't mean anything. Also in 2018, every team made $91 million from the national revenues. 
So right away, before anything else is even considered here, less than half of the revenue you're incurring, you're looking at over $200 million off the bat. Say that's yours. Do whatever you want with it. And what's so funny about that too is with the CBT threshold, right, which is the fake salary cap that Major League Baseball has, which was $219 million last year, you can basically go up to $200 million in your payroll and not lose any money. And that doesn't even account in for when games get played and the revenue that you make during the season. That is strictly from just the revenue sharing that goes on. You can basically cover the cost of your team or like you see with teams like the Rays or the A's, you can make money through the revenue sharing by having the cost of your team being lower. The Rays profit every year from revenue sharing because their payroll is going to be under $118 million. So that the other percent of their revenue, they could basically pay into their payroll and then they can finish that off with the revenue share and just put money in their pocket, walk away as rich men. That's what a lot of these teams do. That's why the system is broken right now. The Rays are a bad example of this, but teams like the Pirates, the Cleveland Guardians, the Colorado Rockies, you don't really have to try your hardest, and you are becoming profitable. That's insane shit. And now via Craig Goldstein of Baseball Perspective, starting this year in 2022, every team was guaranteed $60 million more million from a new national TV deal. So that's up from the $91 million that was paid out in 2018. And what's crazy is you've seen this in the NBA happen, which is why you see guys like you know Tyler Johnson, who's a bench player, make $15 million a year. They adjust their salary cap as the years goes on because the they too. get... Yeah, they get more revenue from these massive TV contracts. That's why Russell Westbrook and all these dudes are making close to $50 million a year. You go back five years, they weren't even close. But now, because there's more money being put into the league, the players get paid accordingly. Because, But what do you know? Because the networks that broadcast these games, they want to broadcast the stars, the guys who are the best, and those guys get paid directly from those revenues. Yeah, also a league like the NBA has a clause in their collective bargaining agreement that says that the players are due X percent of the full league's revenue. I don't know exactly what that is. I don't want to speak out of term. But if the players' salaries in a given year do not equal that number, the league literally cuts a check, and that check is dispersed among the players to meet that exact percentage of the revenue. And the NBA Players Association does have a lot of flaws. Their last CBA, they did leave a lot of the mid-level players behind, which is something I hope Major League Baseball doesn't do when this eventually gets agreed to. But the fact they have the power to do that is pretty substantial. The fact that wasn't even something that was brought up in these negotiations. And then... All this money is in the pot that we've been telling you guys about the owners. Basically, guaranteed between 200 250 million dollars per year that cannot, almost cannot be taken away from them. Guaranteed that has much they're making in revenue. And this is before all of their massive national partnerships, like FTX, which is an incredible crypto broker that has sponsored Major League Baseball, is giving these guys I can't even imagine how much money now on a yearly basis, and the new gambling revenues that are going to come in from MGM. And that doesn't even account for all the deals that were expected to be signed the second after the CBA was negotiated, was uh, agreed upon because the owners don't want that to be part of it. The owners don't want the players to have an exact idea of what they're gonna, what Apple or Peacock is going to be paying them for streaming or how much money they're actually going to be making from these gambling sites on a yearly basis. The Cubs especially, a team that's been crying poor since they won the fucking World Series, are currently, right now, today, if you live in Chicago, go check it out. They are constructing a sports book in Wrigleyville that's going to be connected to the stadium and through the organization. Like, it's not like Major League Baseball has a problem with generating money. And if you didn't believe us before when we said $43 billion in five years, surely you believe us now. It prints money. There's a reason I said that at the beginning. You honestly have to be a dumbass to fail as an owner in Major League Baseball. It's almost impossible the way that it's set up to lose money. So when a guy like Dick Monfort, the owner of the Colorado Rockies, cries about being poor, get out of the league then. Have someone else come in. Jeff Passan put it greatly. He said, if you take the players out of Major League Baseball right now and fill them in with the next best 1,200, the, the quality of the product diminishes, the money stops coming in, people stop watching, it suffers massively. You take 30 owner, the 30 owners right now and put in a new 30 people who are billionaires and millionaires that want to run a Major League Baseball organization, nothing changes. If you don't want to be a part of this, you should get the fuck out. In fact, the league will probably run better. If we get out all these poor owners who Bud Selig let buy teams that really had no business being a part of this league, and you put in a bunch of rich, more rich people like guys like John Henry and guys like Steve Cohen, people like the Guggenheim Group, who are committed and motivated to being competitive and playing, being a part of a sport, because that's what this fucking is at the base here. This is a sport. This is about competition. And from the beginning of all this nonsense, 
Rob Manfred said, like, the main rhetoric that they were using against the player Association was that they are trying to, and they being the Players Association, are trying to install a system that will guarantee certain franchises will not be able to compete. When realistically, it has been the choice of almost half of the Major League Baseball franchises over the last half decade not to compete. And baseball has had some of the best parity among all professional sports in America, the Big Four, whatever you want to call it. The only team that really hasn't made the playoffs recently is the Mariners. And that's it. Everybody else has either made the playoffs and then going to the World Series. I think over half the league has gone to the World Series in the last 20 years. The parity among Major League Baseball is some of the best that exists in professional sports. You want to talk about com- competition? You look at fucking Europe with soccer teams. It's Real Madrid and FC Barcelona winning every single year. And oh, what do you know? You don't hear the teams at the bottom cry. They're spending too much money. Now there is like financial fair play rules. But again, there's tons of money going into the sport because it generates tons of money. The idea that these owners are struggling, the idea that they can't afford to do this, the idea that Major League Baseball would cease to exist based on the way that the players want it to be run is just poppycock. It's 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 sheer lies. Tom Foolery. It's just, it's absolute. It's a misconception of what's actually going on here, and a lot. And credit to Major League Baseball, they have convinced a lot of people of this misconception. And a big way they have done that is create this uh, narrative of billionaires versus millionaires saying, well, I don't like what the owners are doing. The players are a fault too. They should just accept the offers the best they're going to get and move forward. And a lot of people who say that are a lot of people who say things like, these people are making millions of dollars to play a game. I would play baseball for so much less money. Like, I need baseball. Baseball is very important to me in my life. Baseball is very important to my mental health. Baseball is something I like to do with my family. These are all true things. These are good. This game is for the fans. But I can't have this fucking entitlement coming out of fans here. At the end of the day, like, this... This is much bigger than me, Mark, or anybody out there listening. Like, this is about a broken system, Major League Baseball, that has not allowed for competition for the last couple of years. It it has let people not be competitive in a fucking sport. Like, that is backwards and broken and stupid. At the end of the day, you're comparing your own plight, your own work, your 9-to-5 job, your union job, your... I don't know, your double job, your, your your night shifts to what the Major League Baseball players do, and it's just crazy. Like, we are not the same as these people. We're not as talented. I don't know if people probably don't want to hear this. We probably haven't worked as hard or as long as a lot of these guys have done. You guys heard Trevor May last week. He has done this every single day for like eight hours a day for almost 30 years. That's just that's just not true of most people in most walks of life, in most professions. If you work sales, if you do HVAC, if you're in finance, like, this is a different ball game not to be fucking cliche or corny there but it is this is not what we do we can't even comprehend how good these people are what they do we cannot compare our lives to those who play major league baseball or any sport go to a baseball stadium like you said when they're like oh well i'll play for free then okay see what happens because no one's gonna watch no one's gonna watch you play i promise you no one wants to watch you play outside of like maybe your family for like the first game and then they're like this is abysmal this is awful but it's just it's it's so ridiculous like, and I, I get it. I understand why it is hard to like separate yourself from how much money they are making. Because when the average person hears someone complaining about making $700,000, they go, I, I would literally, that's a dream of mine. If I can make yeah. it one time, but you have to remember that you don't generate billions of dollars for the organization that you work for. Even if you work for a big, like you said, construction company, you're one person. You're not generating X amount of money for this company. You're replaceable. Unfortunately, these guys here are not replaceable. Major League Baseball doesn't exist without the players that are currently in it. Definitely. And we're also not realizing what goes on for a Major League Baseball player between the time they get drafted or signed and the time they get put on a 40-man roster and actually make that minimum salary, whatever it is. Steve Wilson, a a career minor league pitcher on the Padres, had a quote tweet from some guy saying, I can't understand you guys complaining about 700000 minimum salary. And Steve Wilson signed for $5,000 in 2018. He made $10,000 in 2019. He made less in 2020 because of the prorated season. And he made $18,000 last year in AAA in 2021. So since 2018, Brian Wilson has made somewhere around $50,000 across four years of playing professional baseball. And he just got added to the 40-man roster this season and is now completely locked out with only that much earnings in his bank account. And in Major League Baseball, it's very competitive to get there. If you want to actually be a baseball player at the Major League level, you have to be paying well for food. You have to be getting yourself housing. You need to be paying for private trainers in the offseason to get you ahead to actually get to that Major League level. If you work any job full-time, you're going to be making more than $10,000 in a year like Steve Wilson made playing single-A baseball for the Padres 2019. There's so much that goes into it. And these guys do struggle a lot when they do get to the Major Leagues. That $700,000 is usually paying off the debts they've incurred the last few years or their family that they've been supporting trying to realize this massive dream and again 
they know what they're doing. They know that there's a lot of risk going into being a minor league baseball player. I'm not going to say that they sh- like that this every. I'm not going to give entitlement to these people as well. There's no woe is me, of course. But this jurist is for them worth the squeeze, and this is their game. And if they feel the need to prolong this lockout in order to get what they think is due, then that's I can't help but support it. And off the all the stuff that we just told you, you you can't you can't still really be on the owner's side here. You can be mad that there's no baseball, and that's fine. I understand it. Like I'm not going to be mad at the players. That's just not how it works. Me and James have had players on here. We like these guys. We consider friendly with them. Like, why would we we not want the people that we associate with to do better? How many owners have been on our podcast? Oh, zero? It's hard to side with guys who don't even give a shit about us when a player will take time out of their day to come talk to us. So it's like, you've seen all the stats. You've seen all the info. You've seen all the information. You've seen that baseball's money continues to go up, but the player's money continues to go down. I don't understand how you can't see what they're fighting for. And I think that also leads us again to a little bit more narrative and the power that Major League Baseball has been doing because the CBT threshold stuff that they proposed also came out. And if you're someone who doesn't understand what's been going on there, you would think, well, the CBT threshold in 2021 was $210 million. And the owners offered to raise it to 20. That's a raise. How is that not, how is that not good enough? Well, here's how it's not good enough. One, that still doesn't match up with the revenue share or how much revenue has been going up. And two, just a simple inflation calculation here of 7.5% for the 2022 year it's actually $5 million less than that $210 million worth worth in 2021. In order to keep the money same and be worth the same for the next season, which would be 2022, you have to start at $225 million and they went $5 million underneath it. It's again, it's like, do you think people are stupid? Uh, you, uh, maybe you're not even stupid if you fall for this because it's a really good tactic. Oh, for sure. I have a lot of not stupid people I know who have fallen for this billionaires versus millionaires rhetoric. And Grant Brisby from The Athletic, he's been a baseball writer. I think he wrote for the Giants for a very long time. I think now he's a national writer. He had a very good article from a few days ago fully outlining exactly just kind of debunking this billionaires versus millionaire rhetoric. And very simply put, last year over 1,400 players played the Major League Baseball and accrued at least one day of service time. 41% of those players did not make $1 million in 2021. That's nearly half of all the players who played in baseball didn't make $1 million. That's not accounting for taxes that were taken out of players' salaries. That's not accounted for the cost of living that these players have to incur. It's not accounted for players who get traded, who get sent up, sent down, have to have two or three leases active at a time, have to live. They still have to deal with a lot of the things that we have to deal with in our lives as a professional baseball player. And while, again, less than a million dollars is still plenty of money. If you made $900,000, that got taxed down to $500,000. You had an incredible year. And I'm sure as that player would be sitting there right now, they would know they had an incredible year. The uh, the Dave Bednars of the world, other guys who are called the Dominic Smiths of the world, the guys who've been called up and are good but have yet to actually ha- like taste the fruits of their labor, really take that money. It really goes to show you that I don't think that the the grand majority of the Major League Baseball players are as rich as this narrative has put them out to be. Well, even like remember when the Tatis contract came out? Granted, that's mega mega money, but you hear like what three hundred fifty million. But then you actually do the math and calculations of how much he's actually going to make. Still a shit ton of money, but he's not making three hundred fifty million dollars. That's not going in his pocket. Definitely. And the other biggest problem when you look at that Tatis contract, you look at Ronald Acuna, you look at Ozzy Albies, look at Wander Franco. The younger players who make less money based on the structure that's been created are always going to be more valuable than the older ones who have already accrued the six years of service time to get them to free agency, unless they came up when they were very young. Like we see a guy like Juan Soto, Machado, Bryce Harper, the real superstars. More in that Brisby article, he had a table about how, how many players per age were worth at least one war. And the highest numbers in that list were 24, 24 years old, 34, 26 years old, 31, 27 years old, and 20, and 30 at 28 years old. Then you get to uh, 27 players at 30 years old. But then it's a sharp decline after 31 years old. 30, there were 12 players at 32 worth one war, 11 at 33, another 11 at 34, 3 at 35, 2 at 36, 2 at 37, 1 at 38. So you see the, the, app, the, the concentration of value among baseball players aged 24 to 30 when realistically, you have to be someone who ascends through the minor leagues quicker than most to actually have true value monetarily during that time that you get into your own pocket because you had the monetary value to the clubs because you're not going to be making very much money in the arbitration system. And it's also crazy, too, because major league teams can manipulate the time that you have in the minors as well so that you don't get to hit free agency as early as you would like. Absolutely. And on top of that, more so the rate of players who are under 25 years old who are worth at least half a war in a, give, in a single season is increasing rapidly. 
Grant, Grant had a lot of very good charts, uh, graphs in this um, in this article to show worth it. And he had the biggest one that was the most telling all the way at the bottom, kind of the grand idea, the thesis that he was proving, was that revenue is increasing exponentially while player salaries and the, uh, the CBT have completely plateaued. And that is the problem. That is the problem. I mean, owners have figured out, just like, I mean, even Steve Cohen kind of alluded to it last year. Like, draft picks in these younger guys, it's just money. You just make money on these dudes. They're worth a million dollars. I think he even said that, right, in a tweet? Yes. And there's a reason why baseball is seemingly getting younger, too. These owners have figured out that a lot of these players are just as good as whoever the replacement guy is going to be that's 30 years old, but they get paid nothing, and the guy who's 31, 32 might get a couple million dollars. Like, there is a reason baseball has shifted younger. The talent's great as well, of course. We have these generational talents, like you said, with Soto, Acuna, Tatis, but there's also a lot of other younger guys who have come up that just don't really have that impact because they're younger. Of course, and that's because a lot of these owners and organizations have learned and realized that instead of buying a $5 million, 29-year-old player, you can put $5 million into player development and have an infinite amount of very good players. And again, yep. these are some of the teams we mentioned. The Guardians have incredible player development. All the money that they put into their player development, I can't even imagine how green they are in that because they produce incredible players year after year. Guys come up from their minor leagues, and they're able to keep this very stable level of comp- competitiveness without really investing much money to this team. The Rays, of course, are the best of all time at that. The Rays minor leagues are probably better than some teams' major leagues. We've alluded to that going back to as far as last year. It's an absolute machine. I said it over and over again. The Rays player development is a machine. And all the money they haven't invested onto their on-the-field team that they have invested into that player development has been a great move for them. But the backside of that is you, you're, you uh, what's the word here? You're maintaining a system that is taking advantage of players who are the most valuable in your sport while make while they make relatively the least amount of money. Yep, and that's what the players are fighting for. It's not about Mike Trout's money. It's not about Jacob DeGrom's money. It's not about Garrett Cole, Max Scherzer. It's about the young guys. It's about the guys who are on these minimum contracts that they want to get what they're worth. And I honestly, from what I've seen from the players' side, they're not asking for $2 million a year for this guy. They're not asking even for like $1.5 million. All this stuff is super, super reasonable. And Major League Baseball continues to tell you that they cannot afford to operate under these circumstances. And that's the biggest problem. It's not like Major League players are going and saying, we want to, we want a revolution. We want to break the system, blow it up, and restart it from the ground up. They're not saying that. They could be well within the reason to say that, but they know that that would actually never happen. So they're coming with pretty logical and normal upticks. And they've been pretty willing to negotiate and find common ground on a lot of issues. They've dropped... Uh, service time they dropped something else too well they, the they agreed to expanded pro- playoffs yes but then there's something else they dropped at the beginning i can't remember that right now but it just seems like over and over again based on the things that are leaking out like little tidbits of stuff here and there that it's the real goal of major league baseball and the owners to go for the throat to absolutely kill this union there was a report from kyle glazer yesterday that their goal was literally to break the union he got that from an unnamed anonymous major league baseball source break the union that's disgusting behavior there was reports of bragging over the last 20, 30 years about how well the last CBAs went and how this was such an incredible deal for these owners. Like these poor people that Bud Selig, poor people that Bud Selig let own these teams who aren't even worth weren't even worth a billion, these absolute assholes. But uh how they could just rely on this money year after year is one of the safest investments in America. And apparently this is the most fucked up at all. This was from a CBS uh CBS sports story that came out last week. Apparently the Major League Baseball office has a WWE plastic belt, like one of those $20 belts, that they will give out to one organization every single year who pays the least dollars over value in arbitration to give an offseason. They will give them a WWE belt, signaling that they won something incredible by giving their arbitration-level players the least money possible. That's just disgusting. That's, that's, that's disgusting. That's not in the spirit of the game. That's not in the spirit of the sport. It's not in the spirit of the business. Like Baseball is a business at the end of the day, so I'm all about making as many dollars as possible. For sure. But you got to give it to the people who are making you that money. You can't let you can't let player salaries plateau when everything else is going straight up. Again, everyone should read this Grant Brisby article on The Athletic because it really lays it out very well why this is a one-sided issue. And sure, maybe the players are 1% at blame because they didn't take one on the chin and give the opening day to us fans. But I'm, just, I'm not about that anymore. Like, this is ridiculous the way that this game has gone. I hate going through a Major League Baseball season when it's so clear that you can look at 10 teams and they're not trying. It's it's stupid. They literally don't give a shit. And like the expanded playoffs is also like a way to artificially add more competition as well. Like those ten teams still aren't going to be competitive, but now there's there's an extra spot that they are closer to in theory, which makes them look more competitive. For sure. And at the end of the day, though, that we'll get more stars on national television. That we'll have more tense moments. I don't really hate expanding playoffs to twelve, fourteen. I'm fine kind with, of a lot. I'm fine yeah, with no, twelve for yeah. sure. But. The worst part is now that we have canceled games is an entirely new can of worms in these negotiations are opening that make it look increasingly unlikely that we're going to get baseball even anytime soon because now 
how do these players who miss the first 15 days of the season, how has their service time become affected? The owners aren't going to be very willing to let these guys get the free agency what they consider a year earlier. Are they going to pay them back for missed games? It's the a players' union said that they're going to be steadfast into that. There's no way the owners actually do that. There's no way at all. What are going to be the ramifications for these regional sports networks missing games? Ken Rosenthal reported in his article today. It was a really small tidbit, a very long, otherwise very good article from Ken, that after missing 25 games, the clubs have to issue rebates to these cable companies. That's what I was telling you about on the spaces. Remember, I was yes, like, I put out yeah. a tweet a few days ago, which look at me ahead of the curve here. I was like, surely all these TV companies that have these deals with the teams have to be pissed off at the owners because they're the ones who are stopping games from being played. They don't care about the CBA negotiations. They just want the product that they paid for to be on their airwaves. And with stopping of games, they're not getting any, they're not, they're not getting what they paid for. So like, that's a huge, and that's a huge, huge part of how these teams make money as well, or these TV deals. So like, like we said at the beginning, they're so short-sighted but it seems like they've forgotten all the things that actually make the money, which is playing baseball. Yes, that's the main thing that makes baseball owners money is, yes, playing baseball. And, then, and these guys have this massive deal with either Apple or Peacock that's been rumored for months that they're going to sign immediately when this ends. And ESPN, I think, is also going to get another huge deal coming up as well, whether it's well, like this for the expanded the playoffs. They're yep. going to they're they're absolutely own that wildcard round, which is probably a good foresight move by ESPN to buy that wildcard round out years ago because it's fun as shit. It's awesome. Like, that's going to be, be great baseball. But... As this becomes more and more public, the players are going to be like, what about that revenue sitting right over there you're not telling us about? How does that affect how much money we're going to make? Like, there's so much more in here that makes it so disheartening and sad about when this is actually going to get handled. It feels like uh, we will not see any baseball in the month of April. That's that's what I'm going with, is that I think the quickest we're back is May. I think the best case scenario probably is May 1st. I think we're realistically probably looking at after that. Yeah, Memorial which is... Memorial Day. Which is horrible, because like we, we talked about this on The Spaces... If opening day happened, we don't really think they would have been a step backwards. As awful as the offseason has been, Perfect. I think everyone sees opening day and you're excited, you're happy, baseball's back, who gives a shit? They're back. You miss a few games here, you got people mad. You miss an entire month, people are pissed. You're losing fans, 100%, massive step back. You miss any more than a month, people are done with baseball. There are a lot of people around the sport, around this, that will no longer support Major League Baseball, and I don't blame them. And it's unfortunate because some of this blame is going to be put on the players, some of it's going to be put on the owners, and it was so preventable by the owner's side. But they instead decided, let our goal of this CBA negotiation, like you said, be to break the union, not to have baseball, not to get a fair deal. It is to break the union up and essentially crumble what is the game of baseball without realizing that without these players, without this, you make no money. This is what the league is. You don't go to City Field because you're a big fan of Steve Cohen. You go to City Field because you want to watch Francisco Lindor, Pete Alonso, Jacob DeGrom, Max Scherzer. Even if you're a fucking Cleveland Guardians fan, you go to the field because you get to watch Jose Ramirez every game. You still go to watch these players. No one gives a fuck about the Dolans. No one gives a shit about when Jeffrey Loria owned the Miami Marlins. Like, It's so baffling to me that they're so short-sighted and that there are still people out there that will side with the owners despite them causing all these issues. And, I mean, I think there is one thing that everyone's agreed on. Rob Manfred fucking sucks. I think everyone, everybody who likes baseball agrees this guy has to go. It's very clear that he doesn't really care about the game in any way, shape, or form. Like, it really should be the job of the commissioner. I know the job of the commissioner is to work for the owners. But it should be the job of the commissioner to not let this happen, to not allow this doomsday scenario where we are going to be missing baseball games. Like, how, as someone who overseeing one of the most profitable ventures in all of America, saying, we're going to let that go. We're going to kill kill the golden goose, to use a term. It's uh, it's crazy. And, like, you know, you could tell he didn't really give a shit about baseball when you talk about the World Series trophy just being a hunk of metal. Hunk of metal. And then him laughing during the press conference of what should be the worst news that Major League Baseball is delivering in the, in the calendar year, that we're canceling games and that baseball is not being played. It's locked out. And the dude's up there laughing. Like, to me, as a fan... Anytime I see Rob Manfred, it's a boo. And, like, it, it puts me in a weird scenario, too, because I have a great relationship with a lot of people over at MLB, and part of my job is to cover Major League Baseball, and I can't cover it without shitting on Rob Manfred. So what does that do for me going forward? What does that do for, like, my ties? Like, this doesn't just cover players. It also covers the people who work at the stadiums. 
thousands oh, yeah. of jobs that people are working. You want to talk about, you know, everyone's saying, oh, the millionaires, they're, they're not getting paid their money. How about the people who are at the stadiums who aren't the millionaires, who are probably working similar jobs to you that are complaining about the millionaires? Those people don't have jobs. The security, the vendors, everything, everything is affected. It's not just about the players always. The people who work in restaurants outside some stadiums, people who work in hospitality at the hotels that a lot of these baseball teams go to year after year, a lot of this is being taken away because... The owners have just committed to absolutely killing the players rather than negotiating with them. Also, like people like us, like shit. Like if I'd be grinding away at this for years, we're about to turn a fucking corner here. We had a great space the other night. Like if they could have agreed, we would have been fucking rocking shit big out of here. I'm fucked. Yeah, I, I gotta think of content for the next month and a half. That is like granted, I, I can make some content, but also at the same time, like the regular baseball season, that gives me a lot to talk about. That's what I want to talk about. That's why I did this, because I want to talk about baseball. I don't want to live in the past. That's not what I'm about. Like, the past is cool. History is great. That's what my quizzes are for. But I don't want to have to start making the 12 days of rankings talking about who are the best players from the 90s. Like, to me, that's no fun. Yeah, no one even cares about the 90s of baseball. Like, no one cares at all. But, like, we also, you and I specifically, are able to at least put what's going on in our lives out of it because of the plight of the players that they have to get their due and they cannot let major league baseball for using their own words break them because the future of this game is at stake we need competition it is a sport i'm saying it again we need 30 owners who are trying to win maybe you can tank a year here or a year there you know you're not going to have it you know money's bad you know like the, just and then you could you reconvene two years you got you got to get competitive again it's not there's no more of these bullshit five-year tanks no more of these seven years of an opportunity no more of the reds having one of the best core of a rosters in baseball and not paying for a shortstop letting Kyle Farm and Eugenio Suarez split it last year missing the playoffs by five games like is anything more clear than that of teams not trying as hard as they can yeah and it's like they, they like to give you the idea that they're spending like well we gave Joey Votto a big contract and we traded for Sonny Gray but the rest of the team's shit so it's actually not really that important like I mean look at the Pittsburgh Pirates they had that little run with Andrew McCutcheon Andrew McCutcheon should have never left Pittsburgh he should have been a lifetime Pittsburgh Pirate and the dude doesn't end his career playing for the Pirates or even the middle of his career like that's crazy dude what about Garrett Cole they traded Garrett Cole with the first pick in the draft a super prospect he was good not great they let him go because they were scared to pay him he's one of the best pitchers of this era Cleveland Francisco Lindor traded him away Jose Ramirez is a top 10 player in baseball without a doubt at least in my eye my mind and the Guardians have been actively trying to trade him forever now they don't want to pay him they're not going to pay him you talk about the pitchers they've all had all gone Corey Kluber Carlos Carrasco uh, Mike Clevenger all these guys Trevor Bauer name who should not be named but all those guys left Cleveland because they didn't want to pay them anymore like they had good teams they were they were in the World Series and they were like you know what because winning doesn't matter, we still make money. Whatever, we'll get rid of these guys. We just happen to get good one year. Yeah, we'll find the cheap World Series hopefully in the next 15 years. We'll need it next year. Why push our chips in? We're going to be able to win. We want to maintain these profits rather than actually try and do what we're here to do, and that's win fucking baseball games. And that, again, is the worst part of this whole thing. Yep, and I think part of this conversation too, let's tie it back into the Mets here. I think a lot of this has to do with Steve Cohen coming in, I think, as well. I think so too. Which is kind of a rhetoric that's going around Twitter right now. That's kind of the hot topic is... Is Steve Cohen almost to blame for this because he came in scalding hot and blew through the competitive balance threshold? And when you are one of those poor teams like the Rockies and such, that scares you a little bit when you see people just willing to spend money like that because it makes you look horrible. Yeah, the, that public perception changes and it will put you at a more at a disadvantage of even just being mediocre. When a guy like Steve Cohen would be like, I'll spend $300 million because I'm here to win baseball games. It is a sport. There's what guys in other sports have done too. And it seems like people don't want to let those ta those tax limits raise and they want to increase those penalties because they want to make sure that you can guarantee yourselves mediocrity. Because even even mediocrity can guarantee you massive amounts of profit. You could sell you could sell mediocrity easily. The Orioles are selling fifty wins a year for like five years now. Like just having Steve Cohen, someone who has fourteen billion dollars and is willing to spend it. Same thing with the Blue Jays. Uh Roger I don't remember, but the Blue Jays owner is also very rich. He's the one who's in the stone's throw from Steve Cohen, John Henry. The fucking Steinbrunners have been cheap, cheap bastards for the last couple of years. Like, this is a situation where the poor owners, again, are holding the league hostage and pretending that they're not going to be able to pay enough to be competitive, when realistically, they don't care enough to be competitive at all. No, they, the Pirates and the Rockies and the Dimebacks have really had no true interest in being one of the best teams, because if they did, they would have made a lot of different moves than they have been recently. No doubt about that. And guess as a Mets fan, it just continues the curse of us because we finally get an owner who's willing to do it and they're trying to make a system where he can't even spend that much money anymore. Yep, where they want to make him pay for having more money than everyone else in a league that's supposed to not have a salary cap. 
Yeah, and that's the other thing crazy to me. People talk about baseball as like the most pure form of capitalism. It's a free market system. This this is communism. We are sharing our revenues. 50%, 48% of the money you make is being dispersed among the other 29 teams. Like that is ridiculous. And a lot of other teams do do revenue sharing and it keeps a lot of the small the, the smaller market teams competitive. I'm not saying we should get rid of it, but you gotta be able to spend some fucking money here. You shouldn't be able to just pocket all that cash. It feels like the money from revenue sharing should have to go into payroll and then everything else you make is is up to you with what you want to do. But it's like if you're if you're the Tampa Bay Rays or you're the Colorado Rockies and your payroll is operating under what you made from revenue sharing, which is around 120 million. Like what are you doing? What, what's what's happening to the rest of the money? It's just going into their pockets and they don't want to let go of it. I, listen, I like money. I'd love to make more money. I'd love to have millions and billions of dollars at my disposal. But if, also, if I was the owner of a baseball team, I'm taking the Steve Cohen approach. If I've got that money, I want to win. Why do you own a major league baseball team? Like you said, a sport, if you don't want to be the best and you want to know why, because it is literally impossible to lose money. It is just guaranteed to print money year after year. And that's what's happened with this new, or I shouldn't say this new group of owners, but the owners that Bud Selig let in is that they went, I don't care about being the best. I care about making money. And it's impossible not to as a major league baseball owner. And again, the crux of this entire problem. Last year's league average payroll was $132.2 million, just a hair in terms of billionaire money above what the revenue sharing was in 2018, $118 million. And we know that league revenue was higher in 2021 than it was in 2018. So there's reason, while while the information is not public, there's reason to believe that that number has increased. Increased to the point where teams could very easily be spending more than the $118 million on payroll. And with that, 11 teams last year spent less than $100 million on their payroll. 11 of them. 11 organizations. A couple of them were in the playoffs. The Brewers, great organization. The Rays, great organization. The Guardians, we said before, they do pretty, they do well, but they don't spend any money. It's just, it's broken. Something has to change. And power to you. We're not saying you can't still be good and spend less money like the Brewers and the Rays do. That's fine. We're just asking for that that salary to go up with the league revenues. I, if the Brewers want to spend $100 million still after this, and they're still one of the best teams in the National League Central, power to them, but raise the base pay of the players because, as we know, the revenues have gone up. Yes, and isn't that something that was thrown away immediately? But fucking salary floor, man. The salary floor should equal the revenue-sharing total on a year-to-year basis, and it's yep. insane that it doesn't. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous, but that's what happens when owners hold all the power, really, at the end of the day. Yeah. Wow, we just did we just did fifty five straight minutes on this. Fifty five straight minutes, ranting, raving, getting mad about this just absolute joke of a lockout. This is ridiculous. Um, hopefully, you guys, you know, stick around for baseball content. Hopefully, you guys stay baseball fans. Uh, if it goes deep into the season, I can't blame you. I can't I can't get mad at you if you're the average fan and you go these guys aren't playing. I got I got other things to do. I can't continue to wait around for baseball. But hopefully, they figure it out soon. Hopefully, the owners, Rob Manfred, they get a fucking clue and. Uh, we can get some baseball back here, but James, any, any last comments here? Well, I mean, yeah, just some news keeping for the actual Mets, if you're still with us after 55 minutes talking about labor negotiations. They hired two uh, people to the organization this week, two women, the two highest-ranking women the Mets have ever had in the organization. First, Elizabeth Ben, who's the new Major League uh, Director of Major League Operations, which is one step below the assistant GMs, Bryn Alderson, Zausmer, and Ian Levin. She's the highest-ranking woman in baseball operations in the history of the Mets franchise, which is both uplifting and a little bit sad at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, bittersweet. A little bittersweet. It's very bittersweet. But uh, Elizabeth Ben comes to the Major League Baseball office. She just spent the last five years working there. She started as the intern in youth programs. That's crazy. And last year, she was the senior coordinator of baseball operations for the Major League Baseball office. That's crazy because like, I almost incredible. got a job at MLB. <laughs> there, there you go. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, while she, but before she took the job at MLB, she was a middle and high school softball coach up in Harlem while she was completing her master's in philosophy from Columbia. Ever heard of it? Fucking smart, and, smart and, fucking people. <laughs> and before that, she wrote for a long time, like actual writing, like books and shit, like everything. She's, <laughs> she's, she's, a, she's a smart cookie. And then we also hired Gretchen Alcoin to be a, a player development coach in the Mets system, the first on-field female coach in Mets history. So happily, the Mets have finally entered this century. Alcoin played college softball at Tennessee, and she had been playing softball in New Zealand for the last couple of years before getting this job with the Mets. Yeah, so, there's, there's, no reason, the Mets. there's no reason that women shouldn't be involved in this, especially like front office player development. It doesn't matter. If you can help this team win and you're, gonna, you're smart and you're qualified, you should have just as good of an opportunity as anybody to get these jobs. So it's good to see that the Mets are finally, like you said, stepping into the uh, 21st century here and giving women some, some, some respect. Yeah, it's very good about that. And happy we can give you guys two minutes of Mets news and otherwise dark, dark day for baseball. Yeah, because uh, 
That's pretty much it. Um, shout out to Evan Roberts and Stephen A. Smith for not being scabs. Uh, two yeah. guys, two guys that, who I would have thought were scabs. You made me guess beforehand. Yeah, you know, I, I, Stephen A. Smith for sure. I thought would have been a scab. And Evan Roberts, he's had some hot takes before, but hey, yeah, good, good on you, Evan Roberts. Good for you. Yeah, we've given Evans a lot of shit on this program, but he has come hardcore being pro player over the last week, while his co-host Craig Garton has not been. So good for Evan. Shocker, Craig Carton's not the guy who was laundering money or whatever he did. <laughs> no, he was, he was involved in like a, like a, a ticket scam or some shit. He went to jail. Yeah, yeah. shocker. <laughs> shocker the criminal is, is a pro player. But anyway, guys, we're rambling on here. That's going to be the end of episode number 77 of the Messed Up Podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. YouTube channel, Messed Up Podcast. Twitter, Instagram, at Messed Up. Follow James on Twitter at Jeter Had No Range. Closing on 4,000 followers as well. So make sure you drop him one. Follow me at GiraffeNeckMark with a C. And uh, we'll see you next week to talk about whatever the hell is going on in baseball. Literally don't have a clue. So tweet us anything. Possibly a big time guest coming next week for the old timers out there. Yes, possibly a big time guest. And uh, I will continue to talk Mets baseball as we do. Hopefully games come back soon, though, because, God, I hate these weekly episodes. I want to talk to you guys about games going on. That's what I miss. I really want to talk about Taiwan Walker's pitch mix. Oh, can't, can't wait. Can't wait for Two seamers days. versus four seamers. God damn it. Get rid of the sinker or whatever it is. <laughs> but anyway, guys, uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time. Peace out. Peace out, guys. Thanks for listening.